Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor, Michael Norman. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. Good morning, Grace Hill. All right, you guys sound good. Hey, isn't that incredibly exciting about the building permit? Isn't that awesome? Come on, let's give the Lord praise today. I mean, you guys, we talked about it last week, but there was a two-week delay and then another week delay and then, well, two more weeks. And then literally, like, it was like we were, like, like we gutted this entire building and remodeled the whole thing. And it was taking us longer for a small external remodel or addition than it was for, to gut this whole thing. And then last week, we prayed as a church, and God answers prayer. How many of you believe that God answers prayer? It was funny. I was telling, I was telling Karen Darty right before, sir, actually, when we first got here about 830 this morning, and she's setting up for kids ministry, and she goes, isn't it amazing that we're surprised when God does what he promises he would do? Isn't that a, it, that's a neat thing that God responds and answers prayer. Also, what are wins for Grace Hill? Salvation and life transformation. Can you say that with me? Salvation, life transformation. Come on, one more time. Salvation, life transformation. Something really cool is last week we had a lady who's come now with us four weeks to the church, and this past Sunday she gave her heart to the Lord, and so we have for her. And so we have for her. She ended up sick. She texts and says, "Hey, I'm sick today. I'm not going to make it." But we have a Bible for her with her name engraved on it. We've got next steps, a little booklet for her to help her move forward with the Lord. But what a great thing that is that someone gave their heart to, to Jesus and going to endeavor to follow Him the rest of their life. And guys, we're going to be there as a church to support them, to pray for them, to love them, to help them through the process. Amen. 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 Today's a good day. All right, we're starting a new series called Manly Man. Everybody go, ah. That's, that's, that's the manly sound, right? Tim, the tool man, Taylor. Some of you are too young to know that, and that makes me really feel old. But we're starting a new series, and so men, I'm going to tell you, we all need some work. And I'm right there with you, so as I'm preaching this month over this series, I'm preaching to myself as well. Some more than others, but to myself as well. <laughs> so we're preaching on this series, and when we talk about a specific series, like mothers or families or, or men or, or whatever, sometimes like those who are not in that category are like, ah, I'm going to check out for a month. I'm going to check out for this series. But I want to encourage you that, that this title, this series is going to be for everyone. Ladies, you, I want to tell you that after this series, you're going to thank me for it and you're going to celebrate this. And if you're single, then you know the type of man to look for as you're looking for a husband. Also, if you are, uh, uh, like whether young or old, man or woman, single or married, this, I believe, will speak to all of us as we move forward. And so today, I want to tell you what to prepare for over the next four weeks. First thing today is we're talking about I am a shepherd. The second week, it'll come up here in just one moment, I am a warrior, I am a friend, I am a king. And really, some of that sounds like out-of-date vernacular, but it's talking about the life of David and then its application for us today. And so that's what we're going to be covering, and I encourage you to be here each step of the way. 
Now, let me give you a little background leading up to uh, our, our, our foundation for today. Is that Moses was bringing the children of Israel out of slavery. For 400 years, they had been in slavery in Egypt. And now Moses has gone back and he had the confrontation with Pharaoh. The plagues came and now he's leading them out of 400 years of slavery. And then coming out of that, they wandered through the wilderness for 40 years trying to get what they called the promised land. And then they get to it, and Moses can't go into the promised land because he got angry, he sinned, and then God says, you can't enter. He hands over leadership to a guy named Joshua. Now, Joshua is this amazing man, this amazing leader. He led Israel to great, great success, and then Joshua died. And we enter into a season where for 300 years, Israel was governed and was led by judges. Now these judges, both men and women, that's interesting for us to understand, is even in the Old Testament that there were judges who were women and judges who were men. God used both. And most of these were, were, were good. Most of these judges were good. A few bad, but most were good. And the judges weren't actually the leader. God was the leader of the country, but God used the judges as a representative to the people. And their job was to judge fairly and was to judge righteously and was just to judge rightly. And so these judges represented God and judged the people, led the people. The last judge is a guy by the name of Samuel. Several months ago, we talked about the intro story of Samuel. And Samuel was an awesome judge. He was fair. He was righteous. He was just. He was smart. He was a great leader and really an incredible judge. But as Samuel got older, he began to have his son step in and to help him as a judge. Now, his sons didn't have the heart for God that Samuel had. And so though he was a great man, they were not great men and they didn't judge as fairly. And so the other leaders of Israel come to Samuel and say, Hey, you're awesome and we love you, but your son's not so awesome. And so we really want to change. We want to make a shift. And so we want a king. Samuel's really upset by this. He's not happy about it, and he goes to God, and God says, look, it's not really you that they've rejected. It's me, because you're not really the leader. I'm the leader. You're simply a representative, so they're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me, so why don't you give them a king? And so God gives them a king, and it's a guy by the name of Saul. Saul is tall, and he's handsome, and he's a little shy, and as they're picking for the king, he's kind of ducking down behind some folks, kind of hiding, because he doesn't really want to be king, but God elevates him to king. Samuel anoints him as king, and at first, he really does a good job. But at some point, whether it was the pressure or the power or whatever the case, the pressure got to him. And he disobeyed God, and he lied about it. And then after lying about it, God rejected him as the king. And God speaks to Samuel and says, hey, I want you to go to Bethlehem. And I want you to go into Jesse's home. And in Jesse's home, you will find the new king that I want you to anoint. And so David is a son of Jesse. But not just a son of Jesse. He's the eighth son, the youngest son in Jesse's home. So he's the last of all the sons in, the, in his house. 
And, and David's job was to tend the sheep and to tend the goats and to tend them out in the pastures and the fields, oftentimes away from home. And so in this job, it seems like the shepherding years were, were boring years, that it was no big deal, that it was really ho-hum. But what we are going to understand today is that David's shepherding years were the foundational years for the rest of David's life. That the time that he spent in the shepherd's field was the most incredible foundational moment that led him forward. And today, I want to talk about the shepherding years of David And I want to compare them to our spiritual life and our spiritual growth. I want to compare the shepherding years of David to our spiritual development as men and women of God. And so that's the foundation for us today. And as we look at the shepherding years, there's four lessons that David learned in those what were seemingly boring, mundane years. So before we jump into this, I'm going to ask you today, would you stand with me across this room? And I want us to open up in prayer and ask the Lord to speak to our hearts. Would you just kind of symbolically put your hand over your heart as we pray this morning? Father, today I pray that, Lord, the lessons that David learned, we would learn. The things that, Lord, David came out with, Lord, we would come out with. The way that David grew, we would grow, Lord, in our relationship and in our spiritual development, our spiritual formation with you. And I pray that today would be a powerful day for our lives, a powerful day in the hearts of men, and a powerful day, Lord, for our entire church. And I speak these things in the powerful and precious name of Jesus. And together we said, amen. You may be seated. If you want to open your Bibles today, you can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to jump around a little bit in the book of 1 Samuel. The first thing that we learn from the shepherding years, or the first thing that David learned in the shepherding years is this. He developed a genuine heart for God in those shepherding years. I want you to capture this. Something unique, something special happened in those hills of Bethlehem. You see, in Israel, it was very much about a religion. We have to keep the law. We have to keep the rules. We have to fulfill the duties that we have to keep the religion. But not for David. You see, for David, it went much deeper than that. David had developed more than this ritual religion in the shepherding days. You see, David, if you read his writings and if you read his songs, David had a relational heart for God. And that relational heart for God truly is reflected in his music and reflected in his writing. It's reflected in those things that he learned and wrote during the shepherding years. And David had this gift this gift for playing the harp, this gift for leading in song and singing. He had this this knack for it. And when he's out with the sheep, that he would write these songs and he would play these songs and he would sing this music. And maybe even some of that is what we read and we sing even today, possibly. And when Saul was rejected as the king, this is really incredible. When he was rejected as the king, he became uh, uh, incredibly depressed and angry, and anxious, and during this time, even the leaders around him had thought, man, he's kind of, he's kind of losing it. He's kind of, he's kind of going off the deep end, and they wanted to get him some help, 
And here's what they said in First Samuel chapter 16, verses 18 through 20. Then one of the servants answered him and said, Look, I have seen a son of Jesse at the Beth- from Bethlehem, who's skillful in playing, a mighty man of valor, a man of war, who's prudent in speech and handsome in person, and the Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse, send me your son who is with the sheep. So I want you to capture that. He's still out in the field. Send me your son. He's not in the home. He's not taking care of the fancy horses in the barn or in the stable. He's still the lowly son out with the sheep. Send me your son David who's with the sheep. And Jesse took a donkey loaded with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat. And he sent his son, he sent them by his son David to Saul. So what would happen is, is Saul would have these, this anxiety and this anger and he would have these outbursts and he would have these moments of deep depression. And what would happen, David would come in and he would play his songs that he had learned in the shepherding field. And Saul would, would calm down. The presence of the Lord was on him and the anger and the anxiety would leave him. You see, something happened in David's life. In those moments where he's shepherding, in those moments where he is out and alone in the shepherd's field, something happened in David's life that needs to happen in all of our lives. This is the beautiful thing is that what happened in him, he developed this genuine heart for God and for each one of us. We need to develop this genuine heart, this genuine love, this genuine relationship and connection with God. It can't be, hey, hey, you know what? I experienced God at camp 27 and a half years ago. I mean, in June, it'll be 27 years. I mean, like, it can't be that way. It can't be, you know what, I experienced God, you know, when I was in college, and it was really special back then. Or, you know what, I grew up in a Christian home. I experienced, I I mean, I grew up in a Christian home. It can't be that I went through confirmation class when I was 13 years old. That for us, just like David, it has to be something fresh, something today, something that we're developing and growing and continuing. This genuine love for God, this genuine heart after the Lord. And what happened in him needs to happen in all of us where it's not religion, it's not ritual, ritual, it's not keeping the rules, it is genuinely loving God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength. Guys, you know I've talked about my father over and over and over. And man, he was a good, good man. A great father. A godly pastor. Demand of integrity that probably could quote you most of the Bible on demand. Like, no kidding, literally just this great, godly man. Physically strong. Could sing, could play, could preach. I mean, the dude was just incredible. In fact, one day as a young youth pastor, he's preaching at the church where I'm on staff. And this, this older guy standing in the first service, I would stand along the back wall, make sure everything was okay. I would step out during first service and go check on the different ministries going on all over campus and would come back at, near the end of service. And so I'm standing along the back wall and one of our elders had stepped out and he comes back in. He's standing along the back wall with me and my dad's preaching and he had this really distinguished, strong voice, and he looks at me and he goes, man, Michael, your dad, his voice is so distinguished. His voice is so commanding. 
you know what? You'll really do good to sound like that when you're older. <laughs> and I was like, I'm sorry, man. I'm a full-grown man. This is as good as it gets, you know. <laughs> and then he keeps on preaching. My dad had this silver hair, you know, and he, and he looks at me. He goes, man, your dad is really a handsome gentleman. He is a distinguished-looking man. And he keeps on, and he's like, you know, he really is. I mean, he's fit, and he's, and he's handsome. And he looks at me, he goes, you'll do good to look like that when you're older. And I was like, man, I'm in the glory days at 27. It doesn't get any better than this. You know, so he was just, what he was really saying is, your dad really sounds good, but your voice, whew, your dad's a good preacher, but man, you, so that's what he was really saying. And my dad was this really great man, but I can't live off of my dad's religion, that there comes a moment and there was a season of my life where it had to become real for me. Does that make sense today? And for all of us, what happened with David, it has to happen in our hearts where we develop this genuine love for God. And the shepherding years were for David were a foundation for the rest of his life. It's where he grew in the Lord. It's where he grew in faith. It's where he grew in commitment. It's where he grew in integrity. And it's where he grew not in just, into just a man, but into a man of God. And in our lives, we have to develop a genuine heart for God. Guys, there's no substitute for that. There's no, no amount of money that we can make, no amount of possessions that we can garner, no amount of promotion that we can step up into that will substitute for us having a true and genuine heart with God. And David did this during the shepherding years of his life. Now the next lesson that we want to learn today is this, is that David in the shepherding years, he learned to fight. David learned to fight. Now here, we're, he took some physical battles and had some physical confrontation, but really more today, we're talking about fighting for integrity and fighting for righteousness and fighting for right things and taking a stand for the Lord and for things and protecting the, 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 the weak and defending those for justice. You, know, you guys know the story of David and Goliath, right? That David is this giant, and our Goliath is this giant, and David is this young shepherd boy. And he comes, and when he comes to, to deliver food to his brothers, that Goliath is standing up, and he's taunting the armies of Israel. And he's taunting them, and everyone is scared. It says they're hiding behind rocks, they're hiding in caves, that it's this massive moment of confrontation. And 1 Samuel chapter 17 says this. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. This is David, the young boy, saying to the king, let no man's heart fail because of Goliath. Your servant, David, will go out and fight this Philistine. And Saul said to David, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight with him. You're a youth, and he is a man of war since his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear uh, came and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it. Another version says that I hit it with a club and I delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard and I struck it and I killed it. Another version says that I grabbed it by its jaws. And I bet 
David, this small boy, is talking, and I want you to picture, I bet Saul the king is going, what? You liar. Fibber. He's, and he's tweeting. Did you hear what this young guy said? Hashtag liar. I mean, social media is blowing up as he's FaceTime living. This young guy saying, I fought a bear and I grabbed it by its mouth, its beard, and I clubbed it and I saved the lamb. Liar. I mean, can you imagine? Preston, come here, man. Come here. I'm putting Preston on the spot. So come here. So Preston, come up here. How old are you, man? Uh, 13. 13. So how tall are you? Five, four-ish. Goliath was nine feet-ish. Nine feet tall. And so can you picture Preston going, I'm going to take this uncircumcised Philistine and I am going to defeat him. Because when I was in the backyard by the pool, this bear came in, this Lakewood coyote came in and I took him down. Bobcats came in. They took our chickens out of our coop. You know, we're urban chickens. And man, I took it out of his mouth and I clubbed him. All of us would go, yeah, right. Isn't that funny? Everybody give Preston a hand right here. David goes on and says, your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, can you picture the tone here? Go and may God be with you. I know it has an exclamation point in English, but I just wonder if really Saul was saying, go and may God be with you. I mean, whatever you say, Bob. Sacrifice one for the sake of many. You know, may God be with you. It's David, a young boy, and Goliath, nine feet tall, two feet taller than Shaquille O'Neal, and he's coming in, and he's going to battle, and we know that he wins. And when he wins, we think that's a miracle. Right? We say, man, it's miraculous. No. David didn't say, hey, hey, let's go pray. Won't you guys lay hands on me? Let's pray. There's nothing wrong with that. But he said, hey, let me, let's ask God. Maybe God should speak to me to go. No, no. David, in the moment, said, how dare that uncircumcised Philistine, maybe he called him some other names, that, that, that guy, how dare he defy God? Let me at him. What a powerful thought. Look, I want to tell you this, that when you're developing a relationship with God and you live it out daily, not that you had, you know, an experience 30 years ago or not that you grew up in a Christian home or not that you just went through confirmation class, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's awesome discipleship. Not that you just had those things, but when you are developing a right relationship with God and you're living it daily and you're walking in it regularly and you're experiencing God every day, that when the fight comes, you will be ready for for the fight. David stood up not because they had to gather around him and decide, but because he had been prepped and the shepherds filled. And when the fight came, David was ready for the fight. That's what happens in our spiritual growth time. 
when the challenges of life come, and they're going to come, when the challenges of life come with marriage and with finances and with career and with the neighbors and with the in-laws and with, and with whatever the situation, when the challenges of life come, you're going to be ready because you've been reading the word and absorbing it and taking it in and, and understanding it and properly applying it to your life. That you're taking in verses that are key verses and you're memorizing them and you're writing them down and putting them on your mirror, not just so that for a show, but so that you can read it over and over. That you're taking in the word and you're spending time with the Lord and praying and you're worshiping with all your heart and you're developing this love for God. That when the challenges come, you're going to be ready to fight because you know the scripture of Isaiah that says, no weapon formed against me will prosper. Hey, I've got this habitual thing. I just keep going back. No, no temptation formed against you will prosper. But I mean, I just get so angry. No, and you're developing this love for God. The battles come to handle old habitual sins. The battles come to deal with new temptations. The battle come with trials of life. And you know that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. And you keep going back to Isaiah. No weapon formed against me will prosper. You keep going back to greater is he that is within me. And you keep going back to Ephesians 6, knowing that it's not a physical battle we're facing. It is a spiritual battle against principalities and powers and spirits in high places. And you keep going back to Ephesians 6 and you keep getting ready by putting on the armor of God. And as you develop this love for God and you're spending time in your word because real men read the word, you spend the time in the word, you are ready for spiritual battle and you walk in peace and you walk in truth and you walk in faith because you have the armor of God put on during the shepherding years of your life. Now, you guys know when we talk about faith, the shield of faith, the belt of truth, the, the, the gospel of peace, the shoes that it talks about, this, this symbolic thing of the armor of God that it talks about in Ephesians 6. That when you're developing this genuine love for God, when you're developing this relationship with God, that, that these things, you, when the fight comes your way, you are going to be ready and prepped for, to fight. And that only happens in the shepherd's field. Number three, if you're taking notes today, is write this down. The third lesson that David learned that hopefully we'll learn today is this. Is that David learned dependence on God. David learned dependence on God. One of the rabbinical Jewish history uh, stories, again, this isn't the Bible, it is some of the rabbinical stories about the Bible, some commentary, is this, is that there was a, a, a perception that David was the illegitimate son of Jesse, the youngest of eight, and that of the eight, he was this illegitimate son. He wasn't, but he was treated as such. And so basically what happened is there was giant dysfunction in the house of Jesse. And because of this dysfunction, that's why David is out with the sheep and out with the goats and why he's stuck out there all the time, that in this dysfunction, he's kind of ostracized from the family. And then now we can understand why David cries out in Psalm 69, 8, where he says this, I have become a stranger to my brothers and an alien to my mother's children. 
And so really the word alien there, that's the nice way of saying it. Another version says stranger in my own home. And really that term is, it would be illegitimate to my mother's children. And so he, then he goes to battle just a few, a little ways later from what we've been talking about. He goes to deliver food to his brothers at the battle. And at that moment, that's when he's hearing what Goliath is saying and yelling. And so he goes and he asks a question about the battle. And here's the words of his brother in 1 Samuel 17. It says, when David's older brother, Eliab, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. And he says this, what are you doing here anyway? What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? You hear the taunt there just for a moment. He said, hey, what about those few little sheep? You, you know, you youngest son, your brother that I don't even really like. Why are you even here, you pesky younger brother? He goes on, he says, I know about your pride and I know about your deceit that you just want to see the battle. And David says, what have I done? I was only asking a question. And in this moment, David knew he couldn't rely upon his brothers. In this moment, David even knew he couldn't even rely upon the support of his father. And in the shepherding field, he developed this dependence on God. And what happened in David's life has to happen in our life. Developing this genuine love for God, learning to fight and take a stand, and learning our dependence upon the Lord. And so for us, is that maybe you feel the dysfunction as you were growing up in a home like Jesse's home where there was a struggle. Maybe you feel the dysfunction of a home even now, and maybe you feel like, hey, I was never the one that had it all together. I was never the one who was popular. I was never the one that was liked. I was never that favorite child, and we wrestle with parts of that at times. And sometimes it causes us to chase after stuff, chase after money or approval, or significance, or, 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 what, or promotion, something to satisfy that. But the only place we'll find it is in the shepherd's field. The only place we'll find it is in that relationship with God where he becomes our father, and he becomes our source, and he becomes our joy, and he becomes our hope. He becomes the provider of our lives where we realize that God, he is my only source that I can depend on. On. Have you ever been there in life where you say, you know what, everything else, I've tried everything else, and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try being dependent upon God? Have you ever been there? It's in that relationship, again, that he truly becomes our father and our source. And maybe David cried out, Lord, why do they treat me like this? What have I even done? I was only asking a question. But no matter what, God, I'm going to trust you. In the shepherding years of his life, that's where he learned it. And man, I want to tell you this. That's the only place that you'll find your identity, your significance. It's the only place that you will find that satisfaction is in developing a genuine relationship with Jesus Christ. You and the Lord, fully dependent upon him. And last lesson that we see that David learned is this. If you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Is that in the shepherd's field is where David found his destiny. So Samuel the prophet, the judge, he comes to the house of Jesse. 
And he says, hey, I want to sh- see all of your sons. And so Jesse presents all of his sons before Samuel, except for one, except for David, the one ostracized, the one kind of on the outside. And so Jesse brings his first son, and he was tall, and he was handsome, and he was physically strong. He was this impressive specimen. And in this moment, Jesse's thinking, hey, this is the one. Man, I came to the right house. I came to Jesse's home. Boom, look at this guy. He can be our king. But here's what God said to him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see a man, for the Lord does not see as a man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I know you've heard that before. This is where this comes from, right here in Samuel. So Samuel then goes son by son. Okay, the oldest, he's impressive. Wait, hold on, what, Lord? I'm sorry, you're not the one. He brings the second one, not the one. He brings the third one, not the one. He goes through all the sons, and none of them have been accepted by the Lord to be the king. And in that moment, I wonder what Jesse was thinking, or what, what Samuel was thinking. Have you ever felt something in your heart, and you told the person that, you're, that maybe you had a word from the Lord, and they're like, nope, not it. And you're like, ooh, maybe I missed God. Have you ever felt like you, you missed the Lord? And Samuel said, hey, do you have any more sons? I mean, there's a bunch of them that have gone through the line. Do you have any more sons? And Jesse's like, yeah, I've got this one more, this scrawny one, out in the field with the sheep. But Samuel's like, bring him in. And Jesse goes and gets him, and he comes in. And in that moment, David discovered his destiny straight from the shepherd's field. And here's what it says in 1 Samuel 16. It says that Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him. He poured it over him in the presence of his brothers. And the Spirit of the Lord came on David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went from Ramah. So can you imagine that moment in which David is the youngest, David is ostracized, David is treated as a stranger or as an alien or as illegitimate son of the family. He's on the outskirts tending sheep writing songs, developing a love for God, and he's brought in front of all of his brothers and anointed as king. And it says the Spirit of the Lord came on him. What a powerful moment. Only in the shepherd's field will we find our destiny. You see, David didn't know Samuel was coming. David didn't know that he was going to anoint him. And all of those years, feeling like an outsider from the family, all of those years tending sheep, all those years writing songs that no one but the sheep heard. All those years of playing music and rocking out that no one else heard. All of those years of developing a genuine heart for God. Suddenly out of that is when he discovers his destiny and his purpose in God. Look, man, capture this. The shepherd's build, season of spiritual formation, our spiritual development, our genuine heart for God. The shepherd's filled men, listen, you do not not have time for this. You do not not have time for this. 
with all the busyness of life, with all the busyness of your schedule, with all the busyness of what's going on, with all of that type stuff, you do not not have time to be in the shepherd's field developing this genuine relationship with God. That we have to make time for this. This is not a portion of our life. This is the purpose of our life. That's not in the notes, but I want you to write that down. This shepherd's field, this developing a love for God, this is not a portion of our life. This is the purpose of our life, of developing this love for God. And it allows us to lead ourselves and to lead our children and to lead our neighbors and to lead our families and to lead our wives into this love of God. It allows us to be the men that God called us to be, to find our purpose, to find our significance, to find our joy, to find the this stability and dependence in him. How many of you have ever made a decision based out of frustration or fear? Anybody in here? I want to challenge us with this. So I told you that I'm preaching to myself in this men's series. But guys, we can never make a a decision out of frustration. We can never make a decision based out of fear. Instead, we need to make decisions birthed from our time in the shepherd's field. We need to make a decision based on our time in the shepherd's field to where we are spending time with God and we're developing this genuine love for God and we're growing in God. And then out of that, the decisions come because we're having wisdom imparted to our lives from God. Because when you do it that way, I want to tell you this, the Lord is the one who directs you the Lord is the one who provides for you. The, one is, the Lord is the one who gives you strength and wisdom and joy when you do it that way, a decision based out of the shepherd's field. And when you do it that way, here's what I want you to understand, that David developed a genuine heart for God. David learned to fight in the shepherd's field. David learned dependence on God And David found his destiny. So I want you to stand with me today, and I want us to pray before we close. But I'm going to give you just a bit of homework. So keep your notes, keep your pens as you stand up, because I want you to write these things down. And I'm going to ask a commitment out of you. So everyone, follow with me. Here's our closing. That I'm going to give each one of you homework, and I'm going to ask you to commit to this. So today first thing that we have to do in developing a genuine heart for God that's not based on where we grew up or experience we had in the past but this genuine heart for God now number one is find your shepherd's field find your shepherd's field and maybe that's a back bedroom but after everybody else has gone to bed it's one of my favorite prayer times but Chris and I have made a vow to each other that we're going to have a shepherd's field every day at 9.30 in this room, depending on our schedule, it's either 9.30 or 10.30, but most every day we are in this room praying and seeking the Lord together, calling out to the Lord and developing a heart for God. And then when my family goes to bed, they're all in bed at nine o'clock and I've got three hours to myself. And I'm able to read and pray grow and develop this love for God. So maybe yours is on the commute to the office. 
Maybe yours is early, early in the morning. Some of you are early morning people. Maybe yours is that over your lunch hour, you separate that off. You're just listening to, to, to sports radio on, the, on your headphones anyway. That you spend that time in the shepherd's field developing this genuine love for God. The second part of homework that, I'm, that I want you to do is to read this week, 1 Samuel 16 and 17. 1 Samuel 16 and 17 this week, if you will specifically read those chapters. In fact, that's a commitment that I'm going to ask you to make. How many of you will say, you know what, I'm going to do my homework and I'm going to read 1 Samuel 16 and 17 this week. How many of you raise your hand and will commit to that? Hold them up, keep them up. How many of you will commit to that? All right, then we're going to pray and I'm just going to keep your hands up as we pray this prayer of commitment. Father, you see the men and women in this room. You see, Lord, right now, specifically, Lord, not exclusionary, but specifically, we're talking to men right now, asking them to develop this genuine love for God, to spend time in the shepherd's field that will shape their character and their destiny. It will shape them. It will give them the courage to fight when they need to fight, the courage, Lord, to spiritually fight and stand up when they need to do that. And Father, I pray that, Lord, even this week as we find our shepherd's field and this week as we read these chapters, that it would be powerful for our lives and shape us to be the men of God, the people of God, the men and women of God, the church of God you have called us to be. Father, today we thank you that you're speaking to us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you're leading us in the name of Jesus. And together we pray, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? God has a purpose for your life. He wants that love for him. You're going to discover that more richly and more fully than ever. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week in the Lord. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God. And we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc. 